Well, you see, you've got to go up, then you go along, then you go... But don't go much down more than you went up. Then turn to the left. Then once you've got to, to go that. down two floors, then across to the right, and then, then up another you'll floor. find the kitchen. But that is about three and a half floors away from the uh, dining area. And, of course, it's illegal to eat food anywhere except in the dining area. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of How to Be a Grinchia! My name is Guy, and we are talking about something that was requested by one of you, by Sir Lore, as a matter of fact. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sir Lore, on our discord.gg forward slash channel, asked the following question. How do I design a dwarvish underground mountain complex because I don't know what to do. How do I do it? Where do we start? Well, this video is for you, Sir Lore, and for everybody else. But we've opened it up, we've expanded it because I said, well, dwarves are not the only things that live underground, but they're going to have the same problems that the things that live underground have. And they're going to have different considerations. So this is actually on how to build underground layers in totality. Depending on what species you are, you might have subtle nuances, and we're going to talk about those, but... There are a few things that you will have regardless of um, what your particular um, species happens to be. So let's get on with it. Number one, whatever you are doing underground has to have a purpose and a function. So what is the purpose of this thing underground? Is it a mine? Is it a um, sanctuary from the sun? Is it simply because there's, there's no other way, there's no other place to live? Is it a hideout of some kind? Is it meant to be secretive? Is it because you found this cave and now you've started to expand upon it? Is it because you happen to like the aesthetic of hewn rock? as opposed to wooden structure? Is it for a, there is nothing safe on the surface, so we have to live here and we're going to make it as pretty as possible? Is it because you revere the geode and the rock? And so to be part of the rock is to live in the rock. Whatever the reason, there has to be a purpose and there has to be a function. And what that is going to do is that is going to inform us across the board as to what everything else is going to be about this place. So decide upon your purpose. So to go with Sir Lore's request, a dwarvish citadel underground. What is the purpose? Well, the dwarves, arguably, would have moved there from somewhere else. There would have been, let's say, an expedition going to look for new veins of minerals to dig and mine. My dwarves are Scottish, except for the really high living ones, the real mountaineers, those are German. The Scots dwarves all went looking for new prospects. So they found this mountain and it looked not particularly lonely, for there were other mountains around it. But what was important was that the water flowing out of the mountains was a particularly azure blue. And that spoke of minerals. Lots of minerals locked away in these mountains. As a result, the dwarves decided to dig. At first they found caves, little spaces, you know, 
people, the little crevices with creepy crawlies. And once they had discovered a cave of suitable proportions to protect them from the inclement weather outside, they could begin their mining operations. What this means, though, is that initially they would have been digging straight tunnels, trying to find the veins of minerals that they suspected would be in this mountain range. Yes, I am completely crazy, but at the same time, I love to tell myself these kinds of stories when I'm designing these spaces. So what this suggests to me is that if the dwarves started looking for, for minerals whilst on this expedition, they wouldn't have had a single entrance. They would have had multiple entrances. Oh, let's dig a little bit over there. No, you're wrong, Jim Smitherin. Uh, not over there. It's over there. I can see a glint of something in that rock. It speaks to my waters. I can feel it. So multiple entrances all over this mountain. It's already starting to inform our design. Now, obviously, over time, those entrances are going to evolve and they're going to change. They are going to start to have their next reason, which we need to get to, which is number two, practical geography. Oh, I know it's scary, practical geography, whenever we are designing something, but particularly when we are designing underground, we need to take into consideration practical geography, or in this case, geology. Now, you don't have to be an expert on geology. I am not an expert on geology, although I have had the wonderful fortune of standing in the largest mud rock chamber, sorry, the fourth largest mud rock chamber ever excavated in the world. And that happened to be underneath a mountain. It was terrifying. That's the only way I can describe it. It was like standing in a cathedral, but knowing that there was a mile of rock above you and that this whole thing was was just supported by the rock around it. It was I I was it was inspiring, it was amazing, and most of the time I forgot that I was literally a mile underground. Then every now and again I remembered that I was a mile underground where you'd see a wall and there's this giant fissure running through the side of it and you go if I if this collapses there is no rescue team. This is this is tickets. Practical geology says that you dig in certain directions, water becomes a major problem when you are underground. There is a lot of water seeping into the ground. Every time it rains, the water has to go somewhere. And yes, it does go downhill, but it goes into hill as well. Or in the case of mountains, into the mountains themselves. So mountains generally speaking, have got lots of water in, in, entombed within them. And as you dig down, you get lots of water coming out. So if you have an underground layer, unless the mountain is in some kind of desert region, and even then it needs to be a fairly low mountain, there should be galleries for water control. Now, water control, it could just be a shaft that they dig straight down. It's several hundred feet deep. It's a couple dozen feet wide, and it just fills with water and then slowly empties into an aquifer. What's an aquifer? An aquifer is an underground chamber that contains water. It fills up with water as there's lots of rain, and then slowly as the water table disperses the water out, it slowly drains out. Or sometimes it just stays completely full. So thinking about that kind of stuff, then thinking about, okay, well, as I'm drawing my dungeon, as I'm creating the pathways and things, if you've ever dug 
in the ground. You will remember there are stones. There are bits of ground that are soft. There are bits of ground that are hard. There are bits of ground that just are made entirely out of rock and you can't go any further. As a child, I remember spending many, many, many hours digging tunnels and holes and things to put my action figures in and, and, and that sort of thing. And then bury them and then rediscover them and then you know, all that kind of stuff. So you learn that there are different consistencies. So instead of being able to have a nice straight corridor, which a lot of fantasy maps of dwarven territories contain, by the way, it becomes much more interesting if you have this straight corridor and then suddenly it has to veer in a semicircle around this large rock formation, which was simply too hard to chisel through. That's why it is oftentimes a case of building bridges over valleys, then tunnels through, because tunnels take a lot of effort. There's a lot of engineering that goes in to try and make straight lines, or sometimes you can't, you just have, you just have to work around it. So the geology is going to start to inform you on a whole bunch of different design levels how you should start to work. Furthermore, and this is if you've ever played Minecraft, the uh, computer game, you'll know this one. Occasionally you are digging through different strata of rock. Some rock is hard like granite, some rock is soft like limestone or sandstone, some rock is kind of middling in between, it doesn't really matter, you just get these different layers of rock. So as they go through, they might hit layers of rock that are particularly easy to dig through. And so as a result, suddenly that entire area gets excavated a lot faster than anywhere else. At the same time, those layers very seldom contain anything exciting in them. They're soft, so things generally don't really happen in those layers. So looking at that, that should inform you. Now, when you are drawing a layer or when you're creating this layer and you think of a mountain, think of a traditional triangle, right? There's your mountain. Inside the mountain, you don't think of the layers of rock as being horizontal. They very seldom are, especially depending on how the mountains were formed. And we're not going to go into that level of geology. But inside the mountain, instead of having stacked layers of hard and soft and hard and soft rock, you actually would have more cones inside, generally speaking. So those don't run parallel, they kind of run diagonally to a point. Sometimes they might flatten out and become parallel, but that's neither here nor there. So think about this. When you are designing your mountain, when you are designing your lair, don't just design on a flat surface. Have a side profile view at the same time and draw in different layers of, of stuff. So as you are saying, okay, this is ground level, call it level one. Now I'm going to do some stairs down to the next level. Oh, but that takes them through this rock. How can that change or inform me? Well, the color of the rock changes. So the chambers here are not dull and gray. They're actually more reddish in hue or yellow in hue or blue or green. It doesn't matter. Pick a color. There is rock that exists in that color, folks. So you don't have to be afraid. You can go crazy. So think about that. That's as far as I would take it in terms of geology, in terms of understanding how mountains are formed or how rock deposits are formed and things like that. I will never forget my holiday to a town called Hallstatt in Austria, in the, in the uh, Austrian Alps. There's a salt mine in the middle of a mountain. They have to dig into the mountain to get to salt. And the salt was formed by a little sea. 
that literally was full of salt. The sea dried up, the salt coalesced into this big layer of salt, which then got covered over and covered over and covered over until there was an entire mountain on top of a layer of salt, which is so thick that they can mine it and have been mining it for thousands of years. It's the oldest salt mine of its kind in the world. It's insanity. But that does neatly link me onto the next point because how did we get into this salt mine? We took a wooden slide. That's right. All the miners, every day when they went to work, goodbye, farewell, I'm off to work. They would get to a wooden slide. They would sit on the slide with all of their tools and equipment and they would slide down into the salt mine. Step number three, you have to take into consideration the ambulatory processes of the species that is building the space. So as I have done a long time ago in a beholder lair, where the beholder floats, it flies up and down. So three-dimensional thinking is required when designing their lairs, as opposed to dwarves who are characteristically not famous for their ability to float. They are going to need stairwells, they're going to need ramps. They're going to need practical level changes. So having a thousand stairs might work really well for the Tibetan monks or those crazy step builders in China because it's a testament and a tribute and a trial for those climbing those stairs. It's not necessarily meant to be done on a daily basis. So whilst it might look super impressive, it should only be to places, those kind of long staircases, should only be to places that are of reverential value. Under normal circumstances, the staircase should be designed for people who are carrying a load to be able to move from one level to another. There is a reason why we have a lot of uniformity in our stairs, folks. And as a matter of fact, this is completely aside, but you know what? This is a crazy video anyway. The staircase, the modern day staircase, was only really fully developed in the 1930s. And you go, huh? But stairs have been around forever. Yes, yes they have. But the official formula for how wide a step should be and how high the rise should be between each step, that wasn't codified until the 1930s. That's why if you visit very old houses or you visit old ruins or you go to castles and things, you go, oh, these steps are very awkward because they're either too shallow or they're uneven or they're too narrow, or just a whole bunch of problems. So if you have a thousand steps going down into the darkness, do you know how many dwarves are going to trip and fall and die? There's another reason why our staircases go in circles or in squares around each other. Not only is it safe, uh, space saving, but it reduces that risk of a terminal tumble or an eternal fall. Right, so... We have to look at how do the inhabitants move around and then we have to decide, okay, if they have the ability to climb, so they, they spider people or something along those lines, then we think in three dimensions. But just because they can climb a wall doesn't mean that the room is going to be upside down. Gravity is still going to work normally. So if they have chests or storage things that they're going to put stuff in, they still can't put it on the ceiling, even if they can climb up to the ceiling, because gravity is going to pull it out of the box. So that stuff will still sit 
on the ground floor. Creatures that float or that can fly, once again, we don't have to worry about stairs anymore. Why spend all your time digging stairs when you can literally just dig a shaft and you can just fly down that shaft? It completely changes the adventuring experience because the adventurers arrive and they go, how do we get down that long ramp? Well, normally you would fly if you were one of the inhabitants. Ha! Huh. Anyone got more than 50 foot of rope? You also need to think about if the creatures have servants and how those servants move around. So the motion on how to get around is very, very important. And of course, that comes with the technology that they would have access to. Are there elevator shafts where there are large elevators going up and down? The Romans had elevators. That was 2,000 years ago, give or take. So it's not like it's a new technology. So certainly it stands to reason that fantasy environments would have elevators. Maybe not reliable ones, maybe ones with safety brakes, who knows? Transportation aside, maybe platforms that are pulled on pulleys and things might exist as well. Now, this brings us back to that very first reason, the function, the purpose of this space. If it is to haul stuff out, if it's mining operations, that stuff needs to be taken somewhere. And in terms of how does it get taken? Is it canals? All of that water, remember, that's pouring into these spaces. Maybe it's fed into these large canals. And these canals have boats that ferry across all the cargo. If it's because of religious purposes, well, maybe there might be lots of steps all over the place leading to sacred shrines and reliquaries and so on. Do you see how different the space becomes just by thinking about those kinds of things? Step number four. I am in a good mood, so shoot me! How do the people who live within this underground lair survive? How do they survive? What do they do? For food, for water. We know that water's a lot. Yes, there's lots of water coming in. Okay, we get that, right? But it still has to be collected. It still has to be processed in some kind of way. It can't just be, oh, go and drink from the canal. Well, isn't that the same canal that Bertha Bathroom used to use as their private toilet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sanitation. Hmm. What did the Romans ever give us aside from viniculture, sanitation, roads, etc., etc., etc.? We need to think about food, we need to think about water, and we need to think about waste management. I know it's an icky subject, but as you have seen in many of my short videos, Waste management was vital, vital for all of the castles that I have gone wandering around. How and where did the waste go? These are important questions that must be asked because they are health hazards, especially underground. Waste management, where does it go? Uh, well, we've got a big pit and it just goes in there. Okay, great. Builds methane, builds giant amounts of pressure. Where is it gonna go? Well, the next time a dwarf sits down on a privy, Ah, probably need to think that one through. So we need to have chambers that are going to deal with that waste and will feed that waste into an outflowing river. Remember all of those entrances that our castle, uh, our castle, that our mountain originally had? Well, maybe one of them now happens to be a sewage outlet or an event of some kind for very poisonous methane gas. But the food is also another important question. Are there fields outside that grow food that gets brought in? Or do they just grow their food internally and they all live off of 
of mushrooms. Well, there are plenty of things that you could theoretically live off if you lived in a very dark space. It's not nearly as efficient, however, as growing and eating stuff on the surface. We know this for a fact because there are far less creatures living in caves, surviving in caves, than there are creatures living on the surface of the planet. We need to figure this out. It could be that there are large chambers filled with fantastical mushrooms that grow in near darkness or in magical environments. Absolutely, that's fine. But those spaces need to be present. If it is fields and outside environments that are utilized, well, then we need to do that too. That is something that I find frustratingly lacking. Whenever we talk about dwarvish settlements that are miners, and Tolkien did this to a very large degree. Oh, the Lonely Mountain, yes. Okay, great. Where does the food come from? Well, in his case, it came from nearby cities and supplied and etc, etc. How does it get in? Because that's another important question. A giant wagon filled with grain is hardly going to get in through the secret door that requires the password friend to enter. It's going to require a large opening with doors, portcullises, trapdoors, drawbridges, whatever you want to add in. It's going to require that in order to get in, especially if it's a large population. And once again, we go back to step one, the function. How many people is this thing supposed to inhabit? How many people are supposed to be here? Last but not least in the slightest, step number five, defense. What is the defense of this space? It doesn't necessarily have to be very high. If this is a secret mountain retreat that is of religious importance, the defenses will be primarily around keeping people from even discovering this place in the first place. It might be secret entrances. So all of those entrances that were originally created now get boarded up. They get blocked up. But you would be making a mistake if you were to erase them from your map. Leave those ancient tunnels that were originally used by miners so that when your player characters run out of options for escaping, they might chance upon an old boarded up entranceway which leads them through some rickety caverns to an old exit that they need to very quickly open up once again before they get devoured by the raving ritual lunatics inside. That's one way of, another way of defense could be things like traps, it could be doors, it could be portcullises, it could just be well, the floor is removable. Again, though, go back to its function. A mine is not going to have collapsible bridges. It's not going to have secret pits that open up if you step onto the wrong... That's just completely impractical. Even a defensive fortress, yes, it's got pits that open up when you step on the wrong colored flagstone. Then there must be an entrance somewhere else for the regular inhabitants to go in and out. Imagine the effort it takes for you just to get out of bed and get to the shower or to the office or to wherever it is that you go in the morning. Imagine now, halfway through, whenever you come across a staircase or the passage in your home, you have to perform hopscotch to get in or out. Very quickly you're going to die or you're just not going to leave your bed anymore because it becomes way too cumbersome. So I know it's cool and wonderful to have all of these things, but there's got to be another way in for the locals to be able to use. Those are my thoughts on how to create lairs underground or in mountains that make sense. Those are the five things that I look at when I'm designing these spaces to make sure that not only are my players having fun whilst exploring it, 
but I am having fun whilst designing it. I mean, anyone can just slap together five rooms and go, ah, there's my dungeon and I'm done. That's fine. But if you want to spend time doing it, and if you're going to be using software, or you're going to be doing freehand or however you're using it, this for me is where it gets fun. I'm like, okay, right, let's learn about some geology. Let's learn about this. Let's learn about that. Let's, let's explore this. Let's explore that. Let's think outside the box on how I can make this more interesting. And those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts? How do you design layers? What kind of layers do you design? Do you just not really care? Am I overthinking this? Let me know in the comments down below. Just say, you are overthinking this. Um, or, you know, Y-O-T-T. Uh, you overthinking this. Yes, that's fine. Uh, Y-O-T-T. Or not. Hopefully this has inspired you. If it has, you know what to do. Hit that like button. Or the subscribe button. Either or. I appreciate it. And until next time, I wish you and yours and everybody else and those that play at your table and you yourself the happiest of gaming.